good afternoon. Welcome, welcome to you as you join us by, by live stream today. Thank you for, for coming all the way through to Good Friday with us. And many of you have been here to, to every service. If, you, if you're just joining us, thank you for, for joining us as we walk along with, with Jesus leading up to Easter. Um, Good Friday is a, a solemn day, uh, but it is also a beautiful day. Uh, I've had somebody ask me before, why do we call it Good Friday? Because that's the Friday that Jesus was crucified. I said, that's exactly why we call it Good Friday, because Jesus gave his life for us, and we remember that. We, we, don't, we know that Sunday's coming, right? We know that Easter's coming, but we don't want to skip over Good Friday. And that's why we're doing these Holy Week services. I want to just quickly invite you to tonight to come to our Good Friday Tenebrae service. The Tenebrae service, if you've never been to one, is a service of word and shadows. Uh, we, we have scripture readings for the last moments of Jesus' life when he is on the cross, when he's crucified. And after, after every scripture reading, we will extinguish one candle. We'll have seven candles. And then at the, we'll sing two hymns. At the end of the service, we will completely strip the altar, all everything off of the altar, and then we will all leave in silence and think and remember and ponder about what our Lord has done for us. And that will be the way we prepare our hearts for the big change and the big resurrection on Easter Sunday. So I hope you will come and join us for that. Right now, I'd like for you to join me as we stand and sing uh, one of our old favorite hymns, number 504, The Old Rugged Cross. Let's stand.
Almighty and everlasting God, we pray that you would look upon us today, your family, to whom our Lord and Jesus Christ was willing to be betrayed into the hands of sinners and to suffer death upon the cross. We gather to remember what you have done for us. And we come just as we are because we, we are all on level ground when we stand at the foot of the cross. Lord, sometimes when we come and remember the cross, we bring our own burdens with us. We feel like we're carrying a heavy load. But Lord, help us to remember that not only did you bear that cross, you bore our burdens. You bore the chastisement of our peace was upon you. You bore our iniquities. You bore our diseases. You bore it all for us. So we can let it go. Help us to remember that today and to worship you who lives and reigns forever. One God, forever and ever. Amen. Today we are in for a blessing. Um, Ivan Nelson is going to sing one of my favorite uh, songs, the Via Dolorosa. And she is, I didn't realize this, but she is the one who really runs City Hall. Is that right? She is. <laughs> so she is the city clerk and, and she, um, you're, you're in for a blessing to hear her uh, sing today. We also are also in for a blessing, I hope, right? Okay. <laughs> Mitchell Johnson was, was with us a few years ago as a summer intern working with our youth, and I've known Mitchell, I knew him from his Birmingham Southern days when he, he was going along with our oldest daughter, Emily Kate, she was at Birmingham Southern, and, and he was too, and now uh, she is at Duke, and he is too, and he's looking at graduating in July, Good Lord willing, and the requirements don't rise. Uh, he is, is just married, and his wife is over in the Amen corner of, uh, here. His parents are here, and, and I, I'm glad all of y'all are, are here. I'm glad Mitchell is here. Mitchell is uh, associate pastor and youth minister at, at Christ Central Methodist Church and also pastor of Turkey Town United Methodist Church, and uh, he is going to be our speaker today. So. Um, now, let's enjoy Ivan uh, Nelson.
Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, as Pastor Sam was saying, um, it's an honor for me to be here this afternoon. Um, and I uh, might know some of you. I'm not entirely sure uh, from my time of working here a couple of summers ago. Um, I've known Sam for a few years now. I've known Andy for a lot longer than that. So anything that he says about me, don't believe it. Um, come and talk to me first. Um, but I am um, really happy to be here um, with all of you this morning and be a part of this service today on Good Friday. Uh, before we get started, before we go too far though, um, let's pause for a minute and pray. God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for the blessing and the freedom of being able to gather together in your house as your body and worship you. God, today we come together to remember something that is hard to comprehend. God, we ask that you help us to remain in the moment of today. Help us to ponder, to contemplate, and remember the sacrifice that happened all those years ago. God, I ask as we continue this morning with the words that I share, that they be of my own creation, deliver a message that is pleasing and glorifying to you and you alone. It's these things that we ask in your son's most precious name. Amen. So this morning I come bringing a very specific message. A blameless man has been unjustly executed. Or as we might say, they have crucified my Lord. I'm going to read from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27. Verses 27 through 44. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and they gathered the whole battalion before him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, he, is, he saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. 
Crucifixion is a punishment that is tied directly to the Romans. And it is a punishment that is remembered as one of the most profane and horrific things that man has ever created. Scholars from the Roman Empire referred to crucifixion as the most cruel form of torturous death known to man. Outside of the Christian faith, outside of Christian history, probably the most historic use of this torturous punishment was along the Appian Way. It's a road that runs throughout a portion of what used to be the Roman Empire. And upon it, the Romans crucified the army of Spartacus. Along with Spartacus himself, after he led a slave rebellion that attempted to overthrow Caesar. And there is some debate about how long this road is and about how long of a trail was created. But to give a rough estimate, it would be like getting on I-59 in Atala and driving to Argo with people crucified along the side of the road all the way. Crucifixion was a punishment that was intended to elicit fear and to torture the one who was being killed. It was preceded by scourging and whipping and consistent beating for hours on end in front of crowds who would mock those who were being punished. Sometimes, depending on the nature of the crime, the victim was tied by their wrists and by their ankles to the beams of the cross. But if their punishment was severe enough, if their crime was atrocious enough, the Romans would go a step further and nail them. We know that this is what happened with Christ, with nails being placed through each wrist and a nail through both ankles. The cross would be raised vertically with a single tiny ledge on the vertical beam to offer some sort of slight support. Because you see, the cross had a little bit of an ingenious design, and that design is that the person who is there has to make a choice. Do they raise themselves up and breathe, dragging their back along coarse wood? Or do they hang and allow themselves to slowly suffocate? This is a punishment that is reserved for the worst of the worst in the Roman Empire. It was commonly used for political or religious agitators like Spartacus and Christ. The cross and the crucifixion creates a maximum amount of pain because ever so slightly one either suffocates or bleeds out through their wrists and their ankles and the wounds created before the cross is raised. We're not blindsided by, cross, by Christ being put on the cross. We hear Jesus remind us time and time again that He is 
the sacrificial lamb. It's prophesied for us. In Isaiah 53, 12, Isaiah notes of the crucifixion and how the Messiah will be killed in that way. The crucifixion and the cross are not the only thing about this process that is prophesied about, though. In Psalm 41, 9, we read about the psalmist writing about one of the Messiah's closest allies betraying him. And in Isaiah 53, 7, we read about how the Messiah will not defend himself and will not try to run from what is coming. Jesus remains silent in the face of his accusers. He remains silent in the face of the berating. And he does not remove himself from the cross. Jesus tells us throughout the Gospels that the crucifixion is coming. He tells us it time and time again. In Luke 13, verse 33, Matthew 16, 21, Matthew 17, 22, and in Mark 8, verse 31. These are just a few of the times where we read about Christ instructing the disciples and instructing us that the crucifixion is coming. But even though we know that it will come, that doesn't lessen its blow. It is hard to comprehend. It's hard to understand. It's hard to justify why someone who did no wrong would choose to willingly go and suffer through something that is incomprehensible on a charge that is anything but true or just or right. And so the question that we find ourselves being faced with, the question that we find ourselves confronting not just today, but every day, is what are we to do? What are we to do with the crucifixion? What does the crucifixion mean? I think first off we are called to remember. We are called to remember the suffering. We are called to remember the sacrifice. And we are called to remember the reason behind the crucifixion. And that reason, to put it quite simply, is that Christ loves you. Christ loves you and was willing to take on a punishment that He did not deserve. All so that we may enjoy something that we could never earn. And that we do not deserve. It's very easy for us to get caught up in the happy parts of Christ's story. It's very easy for us to get drawn to the miracles. It's very easy for us to get drawn to the teachings. But the crucifixion is beyond important. It is the basis for our eternal salvation. We are called to remember. Not only that, we are called to be 
convicted, convicted of our missteps, convicted of our continued disobedience, convicted of our unwillingness to follow the example that's been provided for us. Jesus on the cross is a powerful image for a lot of reasons. And one of those reasons is because Christ, assuming that position on the cross, means that we don't have to. Christ being up there takes our place. We are not perfect. We never will be perfect. We will have missteps. We will do things that are disobedient. And we will do things to run away from the example that we're given by Christ and in Scripture. And in some ways, in fact, many ways, the crucifixion should serve as a conviction when we do those things. Because when we see Christ up there, the image in our minds should be, or could be, that should be us. But it's not. It's Jesus. In some ways, we could stand up here all day and talk about the different things that you could take away from Good Friday. The different things that we could remember, the different ways that we could talk about it. We could sit up here and we could rehash the process of the crucifixion over and over again. This year, I think our Good Friday challenge might sound a little bit like this. First and foremost, that we're called to remember not just today and not just Sunday that Christ was crucified for you. Christ wasn't just crucified for you today. He wasn't just crucified for the people back then. He is crucified for us now. And He is crucified for those who sit in here today and for those who find themselves outside somewhere else. Christ's crucifixion is not something that we can afford to not remember. We should allow the conviction of this remarkable event to sit in our hearts because when it leaves our hearts, I think that's when we get into trouble. When we allow our hearts, when we allow our minds to forget or to stray away from the reality of what happened that day on the cross, I think the trap that we fall into is thinking that we don't need it. Thinking that we can go through life without the cross, thinking that its meaning in our life is nothing more than an afternote when we know that that cross is the reason why we have life. And finally, and I think this might be the hard part, don't flip the page to Easter. Not yet. 
We'll get there. But don't flip the page just yet. You see, we have the privilege of having Scripture and knowing how the story ends. And in some ways, I think sometimes we might exploit that to lessen the blow of Good Friday. Because we can go from chapter 27 to chapter 28 and see that Jesus is alive. The disciples didn't have that. The disciples stayed in a room praying and trembling in fear, not knowing what was going to happen because they had just witnessed the man that they had lived life with for the past several years. The man whom they trusted and believed was the Messiah put to death on a cross. And they didn't know that Easter was coming in three days. They had been told that it was coming. But it's hard to believe something that you're told when it actually happens. And this year, I think it would do us some good to stay at Good Friday. Easter is a glorious day. It is the day when death was conquered. It is the day of all days, but it does not happen without Good Friday. It does not happen without the crucifixion. And so as great as Easter is, as tempting as it might be, let's stay at Good Friday. Let's stay at Good Friday now. Let's stay at Good Friday tonight for the service. Let's stay here and remember the sacrifice that was made on our account. Not because we deserved it. Not because we earned it, but because we follow a God and a Savior who loves us more than we could ever comprehend and yearns for us to stand beside them, surrounded in glory. That glory was earned for us on this day. And it is my hope and prayer that we can take the time to sit and remember. Because I think if we do, when the sun comes up on Sunday, and we wake up and think about the glory of going into church and celebrating the risen Savior, and then the glory that will come after the service of eating a big ham with our families, I think that'll feel a little bit sweeter because we've allowed ourselves to take the time to sit in the darkness. Good Friday is important. I hope we all always remember that the sacrifice that was made on this day is for you. It is for you regardless of what has happened. It is for you regardless of where you might have been. The foot of the cross is always open.
this day. Let's pause and remember the sacrifice of the one who knows us so well that he knows every hair on our head and who loves us so well that it could never be quantified. Let's pray. God, on this day, on this day when our minds might be racing about preparations for this weekend, when our mind might be racing about the things that we might have to do when we leave this room, help us to slow down and to rest. To rest in the uncomfortable reality that on this day, your Son, after having lived a blameless life, willingly went to Calvary and hung upon a cross for each of us, making a sacrifice for us so that we may have eternal life in glory beside you, making the sacrifice for us so that we will not have to take our place in suffering. God, on this day, we are reminded of those that we know, those who we see, who we're not sure what their response to the cross has been. We're not sure what their response to you has been. On this day, we ask that you help us with the strength and the guidance and the power to help bring that person that we might know to the foot of the cross. For we know that it is your Son who is the one true way to you. God, as we continue our service this morning, as we go upstairs in a little bit and we enjoy the food that's been prepared for us, God, we ask that you help us to block out the distractions that we might have and focus on you. For if there was ever a weekend that we could devote to being focused on you, it is this one. We ask these things in your son's most precious name. Amen. Thanks so much, Mitchell. Um, please stay if you can and join us for lunch as, as we've been doing all week long. I, I, we really would like to have lunch with you. We'll be going through this door and upstairs to the gathering room and you are welcome to come and join us. As I do a benediction, it's also gonna be a blessing for the food so that when you go upstairs, you can just go straight through the line and, and join us there. So, um, Let's pray. Lord, I pray your blessings on um, those who have gathered here out of love for you. I pray your blessings on those who have worshiped live stream with us today. As we go throughout our day, God, may we take to heart everything that your servant Mitchell has shared with us today because God, I know that you laid on his heart and his words were really your words. So God, help us to ponder this and not be too quick to turn the page to Easter yet. 
Bless the food we're about to receive now. Bless it to nourish our bodies and our bodies to serve you as we go forth. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.